the Litro Lab podcast. The Slows by Larry Burns. He crawled on all fours across the kitchen floor, full circle back to babyhood. The Slows. This time they had arrived with stealth, catching him mid pour. The coffee he'd been yearning for was almost ready. He'd conquered the swaying and the trembling and had managed to splash the boiling water over the grounds. Nothing had spilled, a small miracle. He clanged the pot back onto the stove. It wobbled and then sat awkwardly balanced on the burner. An accusation. A notice that the disorder in his brain, the shaking and the wild lurching from side to side as he walked, were inevitably disrupting the routines, understandings, and silent packs that he and Catherine had long shared in their life together. The coffee stain on his sweater, last night's spill on the chair cushion, his sleeping bag still spread on the living room floor. He'd intended to clean and organize this morning before the medical student came to take him for a walk. Mornings were his good time when the meds were effective on an empty stomach. He who knew the city so well and had been able to climb up and down the steep and winding streets for hours, now needed to be taken for a walk. Like a child or a puppy, he was filled with quiet rage. He was thankful he could still walk at all. Catherine had told him not to bother with the coffee. She didn't mind making it. Unstated was that if he knocked everything over, she'd have to clean it up. It was simply common sense. But he'd always made the coffee. It had forever been part of their domestic parceling out of chores. Besides, he liked his coffee strong, rich, black, bitter. He refused to surrender. If today he couldn't even make coffee, what would he have to give up tomorrow? He hated to think about it. He had to think about it. When they'd noticed a spill in the chair cushion, Catherine urged him not to bother. She'd clean it later but he'd stubbornly gotten down on his hands and knees and scrubbed. At first he thought to use baby oil. But no, Catherine said with a light, anxious laugh, baby powder, not baby oil. And he, who'd always been so good with words. He'd scrubbed oddly intense, his arm flailing back and forth while Catherine watched. This was something he could do, something he would do, and make things right again. Catherine had gone out. She needed to. It was her chance to be alone, to take a walk and maybe go to her favorite cafe. He couldn't drive anymore. His movements were too abrupt, and the car, which he'd hated to give up, was stick shift. Parking was a nightmare, especially on hills. He couldn't be expected to carry groceries either, so she did all the shopping, walking to this market. He sipped. He'd made the coffee, a small victory. He smiled to himself, bemused at his own pride. Coffee in hand, he settled down in the kitchen chair by the window overlooking their small garden. One of the pleasures that remained, they had been whittled down to a treasured few. But this morning, he began to realize, would be lost. The early signs were there. Shyly, at first, they emerged from the shadows of his brain. 
but once revealed, they went about their mischief with devastating abandon. The slows. Then the doorbell rang. Across the room and down the hall was the entry buzzer. The door itself was down a flight of stairs. Someone was waiting outside. A delivery? New medications? Was he supposed to be taken for a walk today? Suddenly confused, he couldn't quite remember. Where was his list? Oh, yeah. On the table in the next room. As far away as the moon, it might as well have been. He had to get to the door. He dropped to his knees, slowly. A time-lapse movie. Like the Tai Chi he'd been forced to give up. A graceful slow-motion dance. Now he was the fallen warrior, humbled but not defeated. There was a fighting chance to get to the buzzer. He pressed forward, a mountain climber summoning the peak. Right hand forward, then lift the left knee. Left hand forward, now the right knee. Right hand, left knee, left hand, right knee. Do it all again. Simple. He couldn't help but smile a little anyway. Silently he sang, Oh, I can't crawl across the floor. Sister Morphine, right? At least he was doing better than that messed up character Jagger sang about. He'd always loved the stones. Take me to the station. Put me on a train. I have no expectations to pass this way again. His guitar lay patiently waiting for him in its case. An old friend, the only guitar he'd ever owned. Some mornings when his meds were just right, he'd give it a try. Not today. There's no way he could coordinate his fingers or press the strings hard enough. All the times he'd sung and played, living rooms, campfires, for girlfriends, alone watching the sunrise, he warmed and then grew cold and crawled past his guitar, trying not to look back. Only yesterday he had walked for an hour, charging up and down the steps, past the gardens, the park, to the waterfront, and then home, twisting and swaying, left foot dragging, his cane swinging a wide circle at his side. The lone coyote at the tower had emerged out of the morning twilight, eyeing him, whether as a kindred soul or a breakfast prospect he didn't know. The coyote disappeared into the fog. At the tower, the infinite blue Pacific stretched before him. He breathed the ocean, inhaling with exhilaration, glad to be alive. Last year, they'd sold the cabin in the Sierras. They'd jokingly called it the shack. Really, it wasn't much better than that. Oil lamps, outhouse, had to filter water from the brook. It was a five-hour drive out of the city with its insane traffic across the valley and up into the scrubby foothills. And then, finally, as they approached the cabin, majestic cedars, lodgepole, and redwoods. For years, he'd explored the woods near the shack. He knew all the wilderness trails across the rocky, lake-strewn terrain in the mountains above. Catherine had joined him at the cabin out of loyalty, not finding pleasure in using the outdoor toilet, scrubbing pans at the frigid creek, or brushing the dusting of snow off the car in the morning. But she knew he loved it all, 
the mossy roof of the shack the trees every one of which he could identify by leaf form trunk or scent the seasonal brook the tree house on a hot summer day it was a lovely magical place his hiking boots waited vigilant in the nook by the hall their smell of leather sweat and dust lingered the boot laces were neatly tucked in the uppers the heels worn the tread of hundreds of miles over rocky trails the boots leaned a breath forward beckoning eager to feel the grasp of his hands the press of his feet anticipating the next tramp the sand the rocks the splash of mud the hills and water crossing the wet grass of the morning the crust of snow at the ridge line but he crawled on the doorbell rang a second time insistently he shuddered with compressed energy a powerful engine of worn gears and slack belts he boiled and burned with each reach of hand each lift of foot an uncertain arc of maddening deliberation down the hall past the bathroom door lurking in the recesses of his brain the slow stalked him now they pounced wreaking chemical havoc the books from their shelves and stacks peered down at him with curiosity and compassion twain montaigne chaucer king james homer joyce over the decades he had visited them often but this was a journey he had never found in their pages his down sleeping bag lay spread incongruously in the middle of the living room another reliable old friend many a chilly night they had curled together in blissful sleep beneath the stars both had come home for the last time lately he'd camped out on the living room floor not wanting to be twisted up in the bedclothes as he writhed with night cramps to give Catherine some peace sometimes he woke and stared at the darkness the fathomless sky above him transport it the lingering smell of wood smoke and pine needles the wind sighing through the trees a solitary coyote yipping and then in response a chorus of yips and howls he heard the crack of a branch nearby some forest creature on the prowl perhaps a skunk or a bobcat the night sounds caressed him then stilled and he'd fall back asleep the doorbell rang a third time louder with finality as if to say answer me now or i'm leaving the slows tightened their grip in the stillness his adversary demanded he found a truth in our journey from birth to death our bodies remain a mystery never completely subject to our will acceptance the wise learn without bitterness bullshit he muttered brushing aside his cheap philosophizing like so many crumbs off the table he would answer the damn door the door and buzzer stood above him he extended his hands out to touch the wall and lifted his upper body on his knees he reached up as if in supplication but he was not in prayer no god would deliver him wavering he lifted a leg slowly forward and stood each small change in position incremental like a page in an old-fashioned flip book he smiled to himself 
both humble and proud, and with a trembling finger pressed the buzzer. He heard steps up the stairs and the door opened, revealing an embarrassed but smiling Catherine. One look and she understood all. She stepped inside a grocery bag on her shoulder. Sorry, I forgot my key. He managed a weak smile in return. His entire frame sagged and he began to shiver. The slows, they got me. Oh, Stephen, she embraced him, lifting his body gently toward hers and kissed him on the cheek. I'm sorry. Me too, his eyes watered. I'm glad you're back. Catherine hugged him tighter and then led him, shuffling and flat-footed toward the easy chair. She helped him into a sweatshirt sleeve by sleeve and pulled the hood up over his head and zipped it up. They hugged close for a moment, and then he fell back in the chair, shivering. Here, let me get you a blanket. Catherine walked briskly to the living room. She called back from the hall, I missed you! He answered in a whisper, I'll miss you too, Catherine. I'll miss you too. Subscribe to the Litro Lab podcast on Spotify.